Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Solo Cast, a Wampa's Lair story. I am your host, Carl LeClaire, and I welcome you to this first premiere episode of a new segment that I'll be starting here in the Wampa's Lair, um, which will be simply devoted to my deep love and appreciation of Solo, a Star Wars story. So uh, you're probably wondering, well, gee, why a new segment? And gee, Carl, you're really great at starting new segments and letting them fade out, which I do realize, and I'm hoping that that won't happen with this. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I watched Solo twice in one day this weekend, which I haven't done with a Star Wars movie in I don't know how long, probably since I was a kid with Empire Strikes Back. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just, I really, really love this movie. And, and if you're obviously one of our Twitter followers, you've probably seen me rant and, and rave about this movie. Um, quite a bit in the several months since it's, it's been out. And, uh, you know, I just, I realized that I wanted to do something specifically devoted to the film. And while I certainly love writing tweets and uh, the occasional blog, I really just enjoy talking. <laughs> um, and I probably enjoy hearing the sound of my voice more than most people. But um, I decided to go ahead and start a new a new segment. And like I said, it's going to be called the solo cast. And uh, again, before I even get started into any of the, the, the nuts and bolts of this, I really want to give a, a shout out and an appreciation to, to my friend, Chris D. Um, Chris D is a, a wonderful star Wars artist. He, he will be back at celebration um, this year in Chicago with another f- amazingly good print. Um, he was at celebration Orlando a couple years ago with his incredible Obi-Wan Kenobi print. Um, and, uh, I was actually watching solo, uh, yesterday with Chris over Skype and, uh, he loves the movie a great deal as well. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, man, I really got to do something more with this movie and, and, and how much I love it. And, uh, as the day went on, I was like, you know what? The football games are over. I'm going to watch solo again. So I watched it again last night and made the decision to go ahead and start something new. And I reached out to Chris and just asked him if he'd make me a logo for it. And he, he, uh, he obviously put together this really beautiful logo and I really appreciate Chris doing that. And, uh, I will certainly be having him on this segment very soon because he loves solo. And I was taken aback by all the great things he had to say while we were watching it yesterday together. So, um, a little bit about why I'm doing this. So first and foremost, like I've been saying is I just love solo. Um, this is by far my favorite star Wars movie, certainly in the Disney era. And honestly, since empire strikes back, you know, um, and I've said this several times on the show, I, I doubt anything will ever overtake empire strikes back for me, mainly because it's what made me fall in love with star Wars, but solo made me fall in love with star Wars in a totally different and new way. Um, and I really appreciate that because I think the new movies that have come out in light of the Disney era, um, you know, certain films have really struck a chord with people. I mean, obviously there are so many fans out there that absolutely love rogue one and it's it's done something powerful for their experience of Star Wars. And the same can be said about Last Jedi. You know, there are so many um, passionate fans for that film. And, and, and to be fair, Last Jedi is something very new and different. And uh, for a lot of people, it just it, it changed the, the shape of their love of Star Wars. And Solo was the first of the new movies to do that for me. And granted, it's been out now for several months. And my appreciation just continues to grow for it. Um, and you know, the thing I want to be very clear and upfront about is, is solo has really struck something very personal for me. Um, and I think again, like that's why 
I rank it as high as I do. Now, I understand that there are certainly lots of people out there that either didn't like Solo or it was just kind of an okay movie for them, and that's totally fine. I'm not here to convince you that this is an amazing Star Wars movie. If it wasn't for you, it wasn't for you. That's no harm, no foul. Um, but all I hope to do in this segment is continue to gush over it. So if Solo is definitely not your cup of tea, this may not be the segment for you, which is totally fine. Um, but all I'm going to be doing is loving on this movie because I really love it. And like I said, it was just something very personal for me. There, something about the story, literally the story of Solo is Han Solo having all of this promise and being very disappointed by the person he loves most in the world. And, and this movie came out shortly after I lost somebody very important in my life and in my own story. And it really struck a chord for me that I could easily identify with what Han Solo was going through in the movie. So again, when you have something that personal, that connects with you that that deeply, of course, you're really going to have a, a, a different kind of appreciation for something like this. So I told this to Chris yesterday while we were watching. I said, you know, there, there, so much of this movie really paralleled part of what was going on in my life just a few months before that while I certainly just liked the movie in and of itself, there's something so much deeper beneath the surface that really connected for me. And has now made me want to unpack the depth of this movie even more. Um, and the other thing I really love about this movie is it's just so darn fun. And that seems to be the the titular word to capture Solo for so many fans is that it's just so much fun. Um, and that's the thing. Whenever I watch this movie, I feel like playing Star Wars. And again, that's a that's one of my favorite impulses in my own particular experience of Star Wars is is that desire to play and have fun with it. And Solo gives me that feeling in a way that um, a lot of the other Star Wars movies just haven't in, in a long time. And again, it's not a detriment to anything that's come before or to anything that will come after. It's just saying that this really struck that that chord of playfulness and fun for me in a way that I just haven't experienced really since I first fell in love with Star Wars all those years ago. Um, so that's kind of why I'm doing this. Um, as far as how often, my plan is to try to do two two of these a month, so basically biweekly. Um, and uh, you know, I, I know, like like I said, kind of right at the top, I've come up with d- different segments over the years in the Wampus Lair. Um, Jason's always kindly given me a blessing, and now Katie is. You know, I know she's she is absolutely wonderful in feeding my love for Solo by just being so darn open and and encouraging of it. Um, but, uh, of course I will have both of them on this segment in the near future, um, as long as they'll, they agree to, which I'm sure they will. Um, but also the, the idea is to occasionally just do it solo on my own, which I'm fine doing, but also to just invite in different guests, whether it be other podcasters, whether it be just folks that listen to the show that really love solo. Again, my, my biggest dream is to get John Kasdan on. I, I'm very realistic in the sense that probably won't happen, but Hey, I'm going to keep dreaming it. Um, but so, yeah, like hopefully look forward to these, you know, every other week. Um, and as far as the format goes, um, I'm looking to aim between, you know, 20, 20 and 30 minutes, give or take every episode. Um, again, that'll depend on what we're talking about. If I have a guest or not, if it's just me rambling, I'll probably be on the shorter side. Um, if it's with a guest, it might be a little bit on the longer side. Um, but as far as the content of the show, it's essentially just all sorts of random topics about solo. So again, kind of mirroring what we already do in the show in the Wampus Lair, where we just pick, you know, big topics from anything from themes to characters to music to moments, um, and just breaking those down a little bit more in depth. And again, it's just 
in the vein of looking at Solo, a Star Wars story. So that's essentially what the format is going to be of the show. Um, and, and like I said, hopefully you're going to enjoy it. And uh, I, I know that I will certainly enjoy talking about this, even when it is just to myself, like it is today. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that gives you a sense of, of, of what this segment will look like. Now, without further ado, uh, I'd like to talk about the first thing that really comes to mind when I think about Solo. Something very unique about it is the fact that Solo is the first Star Wars movie without a crawl, but with a crawl. You know, we call it the opening crawl that's not a crawl. Um, and that's kind of just what I want to focus this first little episode on is just looking at the words that first appear on the screen after a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The first thing that really strikes me is I love that they continue the the same font and the same coloration for the lettering um, of this opening crawl that's not a crawl. You know, that kind of that, what I call electronic blue color with just the black background. And we get this this great, um, essentially just setup for the movie. I mean, the, the whole point of opening crawls for the entire saga films is just to give us a setup for the story. You know, where are we coming from, what's going on, and what are we going towards? That's kind of the whole point of the opening crawls. I mean, going all the way back to A New Hope, it gives us a state of the galaxy, tells us that we're in a civil war, and then it tells us literally what's going on, and that you have this princess who has these stolen plans that hopefully will, you know, bring hope to the whole galaxy. So again, it gives you that sense of history, a little bit of the past, a little bit of what's going on in the present, and then the hope for the future. And I think that this opening crawl that's not a crawl in Solo does that very beautifully. It gives us a sense of what's going on, what's going on currently in the present, and then it gives a sense of hope. It gives a sense of where we want to go towards. So I'm going to read to you, because obviously um, it's it, it, their words, so I have to read them. I'm just going to read to you this opening crawl. So it starts with, it's a lawless time. Crime syndicates compete for resources, food, medicine, and hyperfuel. I love that it's in caps. <laughs> Um, on the shipbuilding planet of Corellia, the foul Lady Proxima forces runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection. On these mean streets, a young man fights for survival, but yearns to fly among the stars. So again, you get this kind of triptych of, of, of movement. All right, it's a lawless time. We know what's going on. There's these crime families that they're competing for something. Well, in the kind of more presently, we've got this, you know, this foul lady Proxima who's forcing children into a life of crime. But then we get this statement of hope. But on these mean streets, a young man yearns to fly among the stars. So, again, I think it so beautifully follows the format of all the opening crawls that have come before it, even though it's not an opening crawl. And again, quick side note. I totally defend the idea of these standalone movies not having the, you know, quintessential opening crawl. I feel like those should be reserved for the saga films. So I love the way they do this. It's just very artful and masterful by capturing that same feel of the opening crawl, but being something a little bit different. So I just want to break down a little bit uh, the words themselves, what we're actually learning here. So first off, we're told that it's a lawless time. It, it establishes the state of the galaxy, the way things are under the Empire. So it also really does a great job of setting up this Old West feel, right? It's lawless. This is quintessential Western movie making, right? The, the Old West where you have, um, you know, essentially 
as we expand westward, there wasn't really established laws. I mean, it was it was the cowboy era. It was the expansion era. And crime was kind of rampant because there wasn't really anything there to hold it in check. And that's what we're basically being told at the beginning of Solo, which, by the way, is a Western in space, um, that that's the state of the galaxy. It is very much this Western movie. There is no law. You know, things are shady. And then we learn again that under the Empire, this this galaxy is being infiltrated and heavily influenced by these crime syndicates. These crime families um, are just rising up under the thumb of the Empire because things are so lawless that, you know, you get these organized crime syndicates who probably in some small ways, certain parts of the galaxy might even see them as a necessary evil because they're helping to establish some sense of order in the midst of the chaos of the empire. So, you know, again, we're, we're definitely being introduced to this shadow of the empire to use the title of a great star Wars work of fiction, um, right in these shadows of the empire, it's a breeding ground for crime families for, um, you know, criminality. And then we learn something a little bit more specific about this planet Corellia. It's a shipbuilding planet. Something about Corellia just screams to me blue collar, right? It's it's the coal miners of you know Western Pennsylvania. It's the steel workers in this you know the the car manufacturers of Detroit. There's something very blue collar about it. There's something very every every man about it. And this is the atmosphere in which Han grows up. Han grows up on a blue collar planet, and and obviously we'll get into things like this much later uh, in, in these segments, but. Even Han admits to Lando that his father used to work in a shipbuilding plant, right? So I think this is just very important for giving the context of where Han comes from. So he comes from a very blue-collar type of world. Um, but it's not quite as easy as that, right? I mean, yes, you know, the, the, the coal mines of Pennsylvania weren't being run by a foul lady Proxima, right? There's, there's an added element here by having someone like Lady Proxima, Um she takes advantage of the plight of so many people on Corellia, right? We don't we don't know what happens with Han's family. We don't know why he's not with his <clears throat> with his parents. We don't know, right? He indicates he doesn't have a good relationship with his father, and we certainly learn that he's an orphan. Essentially, um, we don't know how or why. Um, honestly, I'd love to learn at some point how that all went down. I think it would do even more to flesh out his character, but. All the same, Han grows up in a place where you have somebody like Lady Proxima taking taking advantage of injustice, right? There's all this injustice in the galaxy. Corellia is not a fun place to be. It's it's hard work. It's it's a crummy life. So she preys on that by taking in these children who are runaways for probably all sorts of reasons, whether they're running away from abusive abusive families, um, just you know, incredible poverty that probably faces so many families, whatever they're running away from lady Proxima takes advantage of that. Right. So Han's very upbringing, his lady Proxima, I think in a very loose way is a parental figure for Han. I mean, not like not one that he necessarily adores, but in a way she is a parental figure and her her mode of relationship is one of taking advantage. It's, it's one of, I'll use you to commit crimes but I will protect you, right? I mean, it's it's typical gang mentality, really, 
right? People join gangs because they feel a sense of fear. Um, they want a sense of community and they want a sense of protection. So Lady Proxima is giving kind of these false promises. And I love that the very last thing, again, that this last statement, um, you know, is the fact that this is a young man who's fighting for survival. Um, Han is living hand to mouth. It's a very rough lifestyle, you know, again, so if, if you listen to the last episode of the Wampus Lair, obviously I went on a little bit of a rant of, of why I get really annoyed when people seem to be very unforgiving about Han Solo. This movie, just even in this opening crawl, we learn that these are the circumstances in which Han grows up. It's a very hard life, um, a lot harder of a life than I've ever lived. And this is the context in which Han grows up. He's essentially an indentured servant to Proxima. Um, I mean, we're talking steps above slavery here, really. You know, everything he does is to gain her protection. So it's a very, very rough life. But then we're told this, we get this sense of hope, which again is, to me, quintessential Star Wars. The, the essence of Star Wars is the theme of hope. And in this very last line of the opening crawl, we're told that this is a young man who yearns to fly among the stars. Han is somebody who dreams for something more. He wants something more than the hell he's growing up in. Um, and how could you fault him for that? And again, you know, I love the image of someone who just yearns to fly among the stars. To me, that image itself, the, the, the stars, they represent infinite possibility, right? Um, that's exactly how Luke feels when he's looking at the binary sunset. That's how Anakin feels when he looks up and sees all the, the stars with Qui-Gon. We're not even seeing anything yet, but we're being told that there is a young man here in this hellish planet who just wants to be out there where, where everything's possible, where there is no limitations, where you can be fully alive, you can be fully free. Um, and that's really the setup for this movie is this is a movie about a man who's just fighting to make dreams come true, to, to live for something so much more than the worst circumstances anyone could ever be in. And I love that this is what kicks us off. This is what literally sparks. I mean, that's literally the first visual we get in this movie. What sparks things into action is this man who longs to be among something so much more and so much more beautiful. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of my breakdown on, on this this again, <laughs> essentially three sentences, four sentences. Excuse me. These four sentences do so much to just set up the context in which Han Solo grows up and and what he's facing, and you know it's it's such powerful language that just immediately lets you know this is a guy who's going through hell, who's just trying to make his life better. And that's what this this movie is all about, is living for something more. Um, now, granted, t getting towards that goal, living towards that hope, trying to make those dreams come true, it's not going to be easy, and it's not even going to happen in all of its entirety. Um, and obviously, that's stuff we'll talk about later on. But I just really wanted to start with the beginning of this film, which is that opening crawl. So... Yeah, let me know what you think. Let me know what your take is on this opening crawl that's not a crawl. And, um, you know, how you feel about, you know, these these simple four sentences that introduce us to the world of Han Solo um, and specifically to Solo, a Star Wars story. So that's going to wrap up this first episode of the Solo cast. 
a Wampus Lair story. I am, as I said, Carl LeClaire, and I hope to see you soon in the Wampus Lair and to be back here again very soon with the solo cast. <laughs>